0: We are also the only city that Beyonce, <laughs> during her tour, <laughs> decided, you know what, fuck y'all niggas. <laughs> I am not coming. No postponement, no reschedulation. Is reschedulation a word?
1: I mean, hateration in the dancery is a word, right?
0: I mean, she's been in London, she's been in Gotham City, mm-hmm. Hogwarts, Jurassic Park, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. But she was like, Pittsburgh, I'm good.
1: I will say, you're lumping in London with a bunch of wild <laughs> cities.
0: So welcome back, everyone. It's stuck with Damon Young. The show where it, it pains us to finally admit that Beyonce is just not that into us. So Pittsburgh has the unfortunate distinction of being one of the worst cities in America for black people. And also the only city where Beyonce's renaissance tour was canceled, not postponed or rescheduled. She didn't say it, fuck y'all. <laughs> That's it. And I guess to talk about what this meant to the city financially, socially, and even like existentially, I'm joined by cultural critic Shamir Ibrahim, who is not from here, but is a general idea of where Pittsburgh is on a map. We also talk a bit about Doja Cat and the shifting nature of what it means to be a celebrity. And then spoken word artist Khalid Janae Lacey joins us for Dear Damon to help advise a woman who doesn't know what she should do if she's at a party and the DJ happens to play R. Kelly. All right, y'all, let's get it. Shamir Ibrahim is a cultural critic and a byline mercenary. She's also a good friend, so do not hold that against her. Shamir, what's good? How you doing?
1: Cool, you know, happy for AC. Air conditioning is a positive thing in the world, even if it's killing the environment. <laughs>
0: it's a privilege. <laughs> AC is a privilege. That's all, there were some people, I guess in some parts of the country where it's like brutally hot, like 115, 120. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of people calling in to air conditioning companies complaining that the ac is broken Mm -hmm. and i guess in the article it's like you know the ac can only do but so much right and it's like if it's 120 outside we could make it to be 80 inside
1: but can't make it 60
0: yeah can't make it 60 so i i got a question for you okay now have you heard my theory on why pittsburgh is the blackest city in america
1: Unless it involves like August Wilson plays, absolutely
0: not. So it has nothing to do with August Wilson, although (laughs) August Wilson, obviously he's from here and his century cycle is about Pittsburgh. But Mm -hmm. my theory has nothing to do with August Wilson. Okay. whatever the national disparities are Mm -hmm. for like health, wealth, education, infant mortality, just go down the line.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Pittsburgh is at like the bottom. Right. So if there are national disparities, they are worse than Pittsburgh. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: All right. So there's that. It's also the whitest major metropolitan area in the country, which is something that I think surprises a lot of people when you hear that.
1: I don't think that's a surprise. I'm not going to hold you.
0: <laughs> I feel like, well, at least for me, like there's a presumption that like, I don't know, Salt Lake City. Like there are places I feel like that are more associated, even Boston.
1: Oh, yeah. I forget that's like a city. OK, sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, places in the in the country that are more associated with whiteness, mm-hmm. you know, or at least more. Aesthetically associated with whiteness in Pittsburgh is, but again, the greater Pittsburgh area, the widest major metropolitan area in the country. And so with those things being considered, if you are Black in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. you have to be very intentional about being Black. It's not like you living in New York City and you could just go to a Black-owned restaurant, go to a Black-themed event, have a Black party, walk outside and right into a day party or whatever, block Black party. Like we don't have that shit. Here. Like it's so in I'm order. Sorry. I mean we, Your we entire
1: have... picture of New York is absolutely dictated by someone who only comes here all weekends.
0: <laughs> like... I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just saying these things exist. I'm not saying the city is like this all the time.
1: No, no, I get you. It's just funny. It's just funny. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. But
0: these things exist in the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I've been there. I've yeah.
1: Yes, yes. You 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 come here and you go on your Uber everywhere to Yes.
0: <laughs> but anyway, Pittsburgh. There just aren't as many like spaces that are friendly for us. Mm-hmm. And so in order to to venture out and to find those spaces, to find community, to find like a space where you could feel free, where you could feel family, you have to be more intentional about it. And you have to be more intentional and more just cognizant of, okay, I am Black. Where are the other Black people going to be? Where should I go to school? Or where should I live? Where should I go out? Who should I talk to? Who should I hang with? Where should I work? And of course, these are questions that exist everywhere else. But again, in Pittsburgh, they are just more paramount. And so for that reason, I think that we have the blackest people in America.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And since we have the blackest people, we are the blackest city. That's my theory.
1: Because they're committed to their black experience.
0: Because you're, you just have to be more intentional with being black. You can't just be accidentally black. <laughs> <laughs> <In Pittsburgh. laughs> i mean you're signing up to struggle if you're gonna be black in pittsburgh <laughs> right
1: you know i would challenge you know blackness is not a monolith you know all that blah 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 blah. right you can come to new york and think you're gonna come for like some chicken and waffles blackness that you would find in like harlem right but then you come and get some jerk wings blackness that you get in brooklyn you know what i'm saying so, you know, everything, your mileage may vary, but I get what you're trying to say. And
0: again, you just mentioned two blacknesses off the top of your head. That That's that's two more blacknesses than we got in Pittsburgh, right?
1: It's a port city. Like, <laughs> you're gonna find that shit in New York and Miami. Black people that eat rice five different types of ways. <laughs>
0: okay. Anyway, blackest city in America, Pittsburgh. We are also the only city that Beyonce, during her tour, <laughs> Decided, you know what? Fuck y'all niggas. <laughs> I am not coming. No postponement. No reschedulation. Is reschedulation a word?
1: I mean hateration in the dancery is a word, right? So
0: Okay, no reschedulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been in London, she's been in like Sweden. I think she's been Gotham City, mm-hmm. Hogwarts, Jurassic Park, everywhere. <laughs> right? But she was like Pittsburgh. <laughs> Good.
1: <laughs> I will say, you're lumping in London with a bunch of wild cities. <laughs> There's a lot of niggas in London. But
0: go ahead. Obviously, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a big deal her coming, and it was a big deal her deciding not to come. And again, we still don't really know the exact reasons why. I mean, there were there was a press release that that was dropped. I guess it's been about a month now mm-hmm. where you know there was logistical issues that were cited. And again, it was very vague, you know, these logistical issues. And so it left a lot of room for interpretation. It's like, okay, what does logistical issues actually mean mm-hmm. in this context? And again, there's a lot of context here. There's the fact that the last time she was here, she did not sell out. She had a show, her show is at Hinesfield. I refuse to call it the new name that it's called now. It's Hinesfield. And she had a show there, I think back in 2017 or 18. And it, And so I'm wondering if that played a part. Also, Taylor Swift was here mm-hmm. about a month and a half, two months ago, and she broke records. Like, they even named the city after her for a day.
1: I mean, this is <laughs> Taylor's home territory. It sounds kind of kind of about right. I, I know Lancaster is like a million years away, but I mean, general, like, stomping grounds.
0: I mean, Pittsburgh is the pairs of Appalachia, so, you know, you're not wrong, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mountain right. people coming through and supporting her girl Taylor, so again... That context exists there, too. And so I guess this this is really hard to explain, like, the inferiority complex that I think many Black Pittsburghers have about the city, about how the city just doesn't measure up to other cities in, in the country. And it's not like an inferiority dysmorphia. Like, it's real. Mm-hmm. Like, the disparities are real. The lack of a robust Black middle class is real. And you could go down the line. And so something like this happening is just another like just stab to the gut it's like you know what y'all niggas in pittsburgh just don't matter Mm -hmm. and i guess i don't know from an outsider's perspective when you heard about her canceling in pittsburgh did you have any thoughts about that and and again this nigga had a show in jurassic park Mm -hmm. right everywhere else
1: (laughs) so I have a couple of thoughts. Right. Um, I think one in general, when a major artist or marquee artist cancels a major stadium show, it's hard. Right. Mm -hmm. Across the board. One, because it's not just a local metropolitan area that usually is experiencing it. You know, usually a lot of people are commuting in to go experience it. So the sunk cost, like it's pretty heavy. Right. Even if you get the refunds on the ticket. Right. Let's say you get the face value of the ticket. Right. You know, what kind of flight did you book if you decide to fly in? Right. Because let's say your hometown is Pittsburgh, right? But you're actually living in, you know, whatever, Atlanta now, but you wanted to do a girl's trip. You got a non-refundable ticket. Well, I guess you're just gonna find out where all the best black spots are in Pittsburgh that weekend. I don't know, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, Or whatever the hotel situation is. Like a lot of things come into a lot of these trips. People really commute for them. And so it's really hard to re-strategize for a lot of fans. And that's really difficult no matter where it is, right? I think a lot of this conversation around tour infrastructure gets really tricky with major artists. I know one piece of backlash that Beyonce had gotten, for example, was around the time of The Gifts, right? Which was like a album that was really centered around the African continent and a lot of people were like, Hey, well, it's actually not easy to travel on the African continent and tour, especially with a production as large as hers, right? Mm-hmm. The cost, the investment, right? Like usually that's why a lot of artists only do labels across South Africa, right? You know, just to really be able to like recreate the environment you want for a tour of your scale becomes really difficult. And so one thing that it really likened it for me to was when a lot of these global South countries, they get these acts that come hopefully once, because usually when an artist says we're doing a global or a world tour, right? Like, you could call something a world tour if you just add, like, London, Paris, and Tokyo, right? You know what I mean? That is a world tour off-rip. So if you really actually become lucky enough that, let's say, you know, whatever artist, it doesn't really matter who it is, Justin Timberlake adds Argentina, right? And all of a sudden, you've been diehard JT since No Strings Attached, right? You know, and oh my God, you get to see your favorite artist in Buenos Aires, right? But they cancel, like... That can feel devastating, but it's devastating for a lot of reasons. It's not just because, oh, damn, I was excited for this day. They're not going to come around for a few more years, right? You know, um, there's usually a lot of investment for these, like how I know for Pittsburgh, the mayor was out here being like, yo, why don't you like us no more? You know yeah. yeah, Like openly pleading to come back, right? You know?
0: And the mayor, I'll say, Ed Ganey, he's my homie. I've known him for about 30 years. I used to hoop with him. Mm -hmm. He was like one of the old heads when I used to hoop when I was younger. And I mean, Ed wrote like a, it was almost like a jilted lover sort of letter. Like, I'll read it <laughs> for people who haven't. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, we are deeply disappointed in the news that Beyonce has canceled her performance on August 3rd. We were fully prepared to welcome her to Pittsburgh and honor her with an official day, recognizing her visit and accomplishments. We are in conversations with the promoter for the event in order to gain an understanding about what led to the cancellation and if there's anything we can do as a city to find a new date or location for her show. And again, this is an official statement from the mayor right. of the city. And, okay, part of that inferiority complex that I mentioned before is the we just automatically assume that, okay, Beyonce just decided that Pittsburgh was too whack or or whatever Mm -hmm. to not come. And so the logistical issue thing could have actually been real, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe there was an issue with the stadium. Maybe there was something that, you know, like maybe a part of her tour, you know, I know her tour has like some structure that is like very big Mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe it wouldn't have been able to fit into the stadium. So that is a very real thing. But again, I think that because of, who Pittsburgh is and who Black Pittsburgh is, there was this immediate feeling that, you know what, we've been jilted again. Mm -hmm. You know, we have been looked over again. And this statement from Mayor Ganey isn't so much for Beyonce. I doubt if it ever reached Beyonce or even like someone who is six degrees of separation from Beyonce, but it was for Black Pittsburgh. Right. It's for Black Pittsburgh to know that, you know what, Even though the rest of the world doesn't have y'all's back, I do, as the mayor.
1: Right. I mean, also, as a municipal leader, like a concert like this brings in a lot of revenue for that weekend, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of events that you can put on. There's a lot of, you know, restaurants that get the offshoot of that revenue. It's like an immediate injector to the economy that way, just for that short turnaround, right? For restaurants, hospitality, all of that. So there's like a vested interest for any sort of municipal leader or if it's for a country tour, right? Like to really actually comment on it one way or the other. You know, I will say that logistics can mean a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's because of like lack of ticket sales, to be honest. You know, and, and the reason why I say that Is it because um, I don't think that the Black Pittsburgh demographic hasn't been disrespected? I fully do believe that. It's more so that promoters and their data analytics, they have that shit down to a T these days, right? So they had the metrics in the last tour, right? Mm -hmm. They had it before they booked the event. They knew how much they were going to sell. They knew they were not going to sell out. They said, let's do it anyway, right? From what I understand about Pittsburgh Stadium and like full disclosure, my knowledge of Northwest Pennsylvania geography is, like, this much, right? Like, so.
0: And um, we're southwest Pennsylvania. The southwest, see?
1: Okay, see? There you go. I'm already wrong, right? <laughs> right? I got west. I got west, right? <laughs> it's just, like, a really good intersection for a lot of different demographics hit simultaneously for fan bases that can't really go anywhere else. So if you're, like, in West Virginia or Ohio or, you know, one of these other states that are kind of catty-cornered that they don't have a really major stadium there that she's Mm -hmm. going to go to, right? But you can get to Pittsburgh, right? You know what I mean? So whatever, you know, small section of the Beehive, they're going to make that trip from Ohio, right? Southern Ohio or from West Virginia or wherever. It's like a really good area to get a good core of, you know, Black Appalachia or whatever. There's the white stands too, right? So I think they understand that. And that's something they were intentionally targeting by continuing to hold the date. Logistics can mean so many things. It can mean that their actual like backline, like a lot of their equipment messed up, but they can't get a replacement for it, you know, locally, mm-hmm. you know, in time. It could mean the way that she's doing this, American leg is a little bit all over the place. Like she went to Philly, she's going to Chicago and Nashville. Like, you know, she's jet setting. It's not like a linear way down the East Coast, right? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it could mean that, you know, she added a lot of dates and it's just the overload is actually not making sense in a way. And unfortunately, somebody has to take the L for that, right? You know, it could mean a lot of things. Like logistics is a very It means everything or nothing.
0: (laughs) It's a nebulous term. Yeah, it's very nebulous. Right?
1: You know what I mean? And so, unfortunately, fans get the short end of that. But at the end of the day, I do think that it probably is less to do with the fact that, like, oh, well, Pittsburgh is, like, mad white. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people automatically think of Nashville, for example, as a Black city, even though there is a huge Black community in Nashville. Right? You know? Mm -hmm. And I do think Nashville sold out. But, like, it was more than fine. I think that, unfortunately, this is just something where... The clarity you'd want to get the answer to it, we're just not going to get it. But that does mean that, unfortunately, the fans that spent the money don't get the returns on it, you know?
0: Yeah, and to put Pittsburgh in, like, a geographical context, you know, it is southwestern Pennsylvania. You know, right now, I am probably a 40-minute drive from West Virginia, a 40-minute drive from Ohio. Mm -hmm. So you have people coming from Ohio, people coming from West Virginia, people coming from Kentucky, maybe even coming from, like, western New York. I'm about four hours from Buffalo which, you know, if you go about three or four hours north, you like drive right into Buffalo. And also, you know, I, I know people conflate Pittsburgh and Philadelphia because, you know, both cities with the P start with P and we're in the state that starts with P, but we are extremely far apart just to get more geographical context. It is easier for me to get to drive to Toronto than it is for me to drive to Philadelphia, right? So you do have not just Pittsburgh, but this region, and this is traditionally an economically depressed region that doesn't have this many sorts of international black stars coming and visiting. And so Pittsburgh not having this concert isn't just a it not just an economic hurt piece. It also is more of like an existential sort of thing where
1: mm-hmm.
0: Beyonce cancels in New York City. Niggas in the city is like, okay, we're disappointed, but there's like a thousand other things that we could do that weekend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A thousand other things we could do that day, perhaps. But Beyonce cancels in Pittsburgh, it's like shit, that that was the summer. <laughs> you know, what I mean, that was the thing that people right, were looking right, forward right. to doing mm-hmm. from the time that the tour was announced. And so it's just a different context, a different sort of feeling when a thing like that happens. And as you were saying, you know, logistical issues could be so many different things that it's such a nebulous term that it could be anything under the sun. And it could be a euphemism for what we think it was a euphemism for. That is a possibility. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I don't know. Again, when you have a city that already has this complex about who it is and about where it is and about what it is, then something like this happening is like, I thought it was hilarious, actually, after like a day. Like, I thought it was like the funniest fucking thing Mm -hmm. ever. Like, of course, of course, of all the cities. Of all the cities that would be canceled, right, right, it would be Pittsburgh. Of course, this this makes it is it's like perfect cinematic mm-hmm. sense that it would be this city, right? So yeah, it is what it is, and hopefully, whenever she releases her next album. And has her next tour.
1: Maybe she could add you to the makeup dates when she does the Latin American like, You know, the Brazil hive has been waiting for years. Like, they put it out for concerts down there, right? You know, maybe she could add Pittsburgh on the tail end. I don't know.
0: That makes sense. That that makes perfect sense.
1: You know, just, <laughs> I don't know what the charter for that is looking like price-wise, but I'm sure she can make it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that happens all the time. <laughs> and and again, you know, just to put some more context in, you know, when Taylor Swift came to Pittsburgh, it brought $46 million to Allegheny County. Um, her being here, I think she did two shows. She broke records with both shows. I think had had 150,000 people combined, you know, at those two shows. And yeah, she broke records, brought all types of money to the city. So, I mean, that is a possibility when someone like a Taylor Swift or someone like a Beyonce comes to, comes to Pittsburgh. Right. Um, have you gone to see Beyonce yet?
1: Uh, No, you know I occasionally look at tickets. You know what I mean. It's not like I'm not interested, but like I think I just have hit my threshold on like ticket prices are too crazy these days, and like, mm-hmm. what can I pay, right? You know what I mean. And like, okay, I'm also a little bit of a snob. Girls <laughs> are going, right? You know, so I'm not. If I'm gonna go to a show, I'm not doing the nosebleeds. I'm not doing two hundred. It has to be like a stadium. I know what I know is going to be a good view to just experience. Like, I'm doing 100 floor seats. You know what I'm saying? So it's like,
0: oh shit, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Like, <laughs>
1: like Beyonce <laughs> is telling me that I got to pay rent. Like, and I don't know if I got that right now. Like, that said, you know, it could be like it's New York is next weekend or this weekend, rather, right? It could be a couple of days from now. I change my mind and I'm like, fuck it, right? I, I've done stupider, impulsive things.
0: Yeah, and speaking of celebrities who, let's just say they have some ambivalence about their fans. Are you familiar with the situation with Doja Cat where she basically says she has no obligation? She basically essentially said, fuck (laughs) y'all, essentially. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) she she definitely said IDGAF in all caps, right? Yeah, um, I mean, I have. (laughs) I've been aware of it. I think it's very striking um, to see the backlash from this. Mostly because what she's really doing is making plain what a lot of celebrities feel, which is that, like, they don't really care, right? Like, the backlash only matters as much as they have to manage it, right? You know what I mean? So, you're not going to convince a celebrity who to date, who to not date, right? You know, who to be in a relationship with, how to move. It's just not going to happen. The same way you can't convince your friends how to move for real, for real, right? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. And so, do I think Doja's dead wrong for her behavior? Yeah, absolutely. She's been dead wrong I'm like, oh. litany of things for
0: she's been consistently (laughs) like she's been consistently like awful
1: five years right like
0: she's a great artist but she has been consistently like
1: immensely talented right but you know she is in those edgelord spaces like i think one of the most prescient thing that nori ever said was that racial chat room's
0: racial it's racial feet
1: uh, like, maybe the most wise thing he's ever said
0: like, showing, showing feet in racial chat rooms
1: it's aged quite well but like you know i think something very telling about the fact that you know, a lot of the fans have been doing these missives about we defended you through, and they'll list every single awful thing she's ever did, right? The time she DMed the 17 year old, mm-hmm. the Amber Heard jokes, the, you know, all the incel behavior, whatever, you know what I mean? The Paraguay crisis I alluded to, which is when she got into a whole situation because she canceled the tour date in Paraguay. Like, it was a whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. But now that you told us that you don't care, we're not going to blindly defend you anymore. And it's like, I mean, what does that say about your relationship to celebrity, right? That you needed it to be your moral center, so you blindly defended it. Now that she's rejecting you, now you're kind of really despondent about it, right? You can just enjoy an artist and say, this is wrong and this is unacceptable and this is not wrong, right? Like these are not things that are actually mutually exclusive. But that's not something that, like, in the way that celebrity culture has been fanned, like we've gotten to. Now, where I do find a bit of an exception is that people are like, well, Doja's right. Like she doesn't have to say she loves you. Sure, right? She is right. But I think that you have to also allow some space for a fact that like Doja, like many of these young celebrities, are people who have actively created a fan base and nurture relationships with their fans right you know she stays on like freaking tiny chat and twitch and instagram live and talks with them and named them kittens or whatever so like her abject repudiation yeah it's gonna feel like whiplash now am i gonna tell people to touch grass sure right you know but at the same time like there's a little bit of a mutually beneficial situation that had kind of evolved from this that now that doge is a space where she's having this, you know, rejection of celebrity and whatever feeling of accountability that she doesn't want to have or, you know, discuss in the public at this current moment in time. Now it's inconvenient. Right. But I also think it's all generally immaterial. Like I do think that two months from now, around the time our album drops, we're going to get a very glowing profile of her. Right. Where it's going to discuss her tortured relationship with celebrity and how she's gotten here and give her a lot more empathetic context. And it'll allow people who are searching for an answer to cling on to the answer right you know i don't like i don't think this is going to be the destruction of doja the way that people think she's name brand star my mom knows who doja cat is right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like she's here right she's going to be here for a while
0: shamir ibrahim yeah who writes very bitty cover stories but will not be writing one on doja cat um (laughs) 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 thank you thank you for joining us have so many things happening concurrently. So what's what's yeah. happening? Where should people find you right now?
1: Yeah. I already alluded to a couple of things I recently dropped, which is like, I recently wrote about the African Performance Grammy um, for Africa as a Country. Great site. Um, recently wrote a cover story for Level on John Boyega for The Clone Tyrone. Great film. Go ahead and watch it. You know, great cast. Obviously, Tiana, John Boyega, you know, Jamie Foxx. I have a couple of things I'm working on for Hip Hop's 50th anniversary that should be coming out in a couple of months. So just follow me on Instagram or TikTok. I'm not calling that shit X. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I'll be around there the next couple of months doing some work around that.
0: All right. Shamir, thanks for coming through.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Up next, for Dear Damon, we're joined by spoken word artist, Khaled Nate Lacy. But first, Damon Hates. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So I think we overcorrected as a culture with cupcakes. And now I love cupcakes as much as the next person. I love how convenient they are. I love how efficient they are. Where you can get an entire cake in a cup. I've always loved just the idea of cupcakes. I feel like I've loved the idea of cupcakes even more than actual cupcake at times. But again, existentially, and also in reality, I loved cupcake, but I feel like the love of cupcakes, and this is like more of just a general cultural thing, has become too much of a thing where now they are completely replacing cakes. Like I went to two parties over the weekend, a birthday party and a wedding, and neither of them had cakes. They had cupcakes, cookie table, because it's a Pittsburgh wedding, but no actual cake. And as much as I love cupcakes, i feel like the cake itself signifies like okay this is important and then you have like the cutting of the cake and then okay how much of the cake do you want do you want to get seconds and so i don't know i'm not going to say that i don't appreciate the prevalence of cupcakes because also with cupcakes you could have many different flavors you could have your red velvet you could have your gluten-free you could have your marble you could have your chocolate etc cetera, etc cetera. i appreciate choice But again, sometimes I just feel like a cake is necessary and I just don't appreciate how we have completely neglected cake because this used to be cake's bag, like wedding season, birthday parties. That's like cake's shit right there. And I feel like Cupcake came through, took all the cake status, took all the cake's props. And I think we need to take the blame for that because, you know, all this pressure, all of this one, all of these cupcake shops, there are no cake shops. There's no like hipster cake shops popping up everywhere. There's all these hipster cupcake shops, which I appreciate. Again, I'm not going to say I don't appreciate a good cupcake, but again, I think that when the time calls for cake, we need to go back and have cake. Kyla Janae Lacey is a performing spoken word artist and writer whose work has been featured in The Huffington Post, The Root, Afropunk, and All Deaf Digital. Kyla.
2: Damon.
0: With people with three names, I just have like a propulsion to like initialize them, to acronize them. Yes. So KJL, how do you feel about KJL?
2: So I used to do that all the time when I was younger because it's also like you go in the Telephone is 555, five. so when I was little, that was like my beeper notification to my mom.
0: Okay, okay, so KJL from henceforth.
2: Can I call you young man? Is it like an even exchange?
0: I mean, if you feel like it, go ahead.
2: I'm sure I'm not the only one who's like young man.
0: Not. Nah, I was D-Y in college. Okay, okay. D-Young in high school, Dame Young, also beeve for people that have known me for a long time, and beeve is shortened for Beaver which this fat white boy started calling me when I was like nine because I had buck teeth and it just stuck.
2: How's he doing, by the way?
0: I haven't kept up with him. I have no idea.
2: I feel like, you know, sometimes you kind of have to like look and see what your bully's doing.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't even know if he qualifies as a bully because he just said this one thing and it just stuck. It's like a, I don't know, he caught lightning in a bottle where he just made one comment while playing football one day and it just spread like wildfire, beef. And so people who know me from the neighborhood and know me, you know, growing up, hooping, whatever, a lot of them know me as Beef and don't know, like, the genesis of Beef. They just know me as Beef.
2: So I was called KK in college, but I actually hated that nickname. But it was one of those things that one roommate called me. She didn't want to call me Kayla, which I appreciate because I hate being called Kayla. And then it just kind of stuck. So when anybody calls me KK, I know, like, oh, OK, you knew me when I was sweet. <laughs>
0: OK. Well, I feel like that's a perfect segue for MTP, okay. Morgan the producer, <laughs> <to> come through. <laughs> what do you have for us this week, MTP?
2: Dear Damon, I was at a wedding where the DJ played Step in the Name of Love, and I didn't know what to do. At first, I froze because I can't believe people are still playing this man's music. But in this scenario, what should you do? Should you tell the DJ to change it or just wait for the next song?
0: Okay, so have you been in a space recently? And I say recently, like in the last five years, people have played R. Kelly. Yes. What did you do?
2: I've been in multiple spaces. Actually, I was in one uh, recently, like this month. And then I was just kind of like, oh, wow. It's a weird thing because it's like you can't. I've been in spaces where, like, there was two different reactions, right? So there's been spaces where people were like, boo, get the fuck off the stage, you know, like, stop playing that, which was weird because it was, like, New Year's Eve, so it was just definitely, like, a vibe killer. Oh,
0: wow. Okay.
2: But then I was doing a poetry show recently and they were playing R. Kelly and I was just looking like, we're doing this? This is what we're doing? I think we'd all like to say that we are super big and brave in those instances, but it's just kind of, like, you want to be known as the person who like broke the party vibe. It's like a weird space. But also somebody has to be the person that says like, okay, I'm not into this. Like, this is a bit much. These are, you know, songs about kids and it's not kid's bop.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there are many other artists who have been accused, who have done like heinous shit, right? And whose work was popular, and work still exists in the zeitgeist and i think one thing that makes r kelly so distinct one was his level of depravity
2: and two he couldn't read
0: yes over over 30 years and also there's no potential for cognitive dissonance because he makes weird freaky sex music too and so show me your id yeah and so there's not even any opportunity for you to be like you know what all right, maybe it was we'll stepping in the name of love or something like that. But with most other popular R. Kelly songs, there's no opportunity for you to be like, you know what? Yeah, he did this shit. But, you know, this song is about kittens or this song is about, you know, getting your favorite milkshake at the milkshake factory. It's like, no, it's about that shit that he was found guilty of doing, right? And so I feel like, and this is, you know, to your point, I actually haven't been in the space in a long time that I can remember where R. Kelly was played. And I feel like, I want to tell myself that I would be that nigga that if it like I was at a wedding um, this past weekend, if the DJ played some, you know, Step in the Name of Love or Fiesta or Ignition that I would march up to the DJ booth. I would say this is a disgrace. I would unplug all the DJ equipment and then boom, that would happen. But I don't.
2: In the Hollywood scene in your mind.
0: Yeah, I feel like this one of them things where like everyone says that they would go into the burning building to save a loved one. Right. Everyone says that they would do that.
2: Depends on which loved one, because <laughs> my dad might not get the same treatment as my mom. Just keeping it real.
0: <laughs> but it is one of the circumstances where you don't really know how you react until you're in that exact situation. Right. You can't presume a reaction.
2: I feel like in human nature, there are specific people who are like they look around and they assess and they're like, OK, I'm going to be the person to stand up for this. Like, you know. It's me sometimes because like, why is TSA taking too long? We're missing our flights like that's me. And so usually I am that person. But also it's like I sometimes I just want to, you know, not get beat up on the way home for, you know, hating R. Kelly.
0: OK, you say you are the person at the airport that will scream and be loud. So what's the distinction between being that in that environment and being at the club, being wherever and R. Kelly comes on? and having some more ambivalence about whether or not to speak up.
2: Okay, so recently I was at the airport and these people were jumping the lines. And no offense to those people, but they definitely look like Spirit Airlines customers.
1: (laughs) And they were just like
2: jumping in front of everybody. And I was like, oh, hell no. You know, and everybody was just like standing around. And I'm like, no, like these people are getting in front of all of us and nobody is saying shit. And so now the lady wants to look at me No, lady, don't look at me. Look at them. But I also know that everybody was looking like somebody needs to say something. And I don't necessarily know that if we're at a wedding, half of the people are still probably very much listening to him. I don't know.
0: Also, it's like it's a choice, right? So a DJ playing R. Kelly in 2023 is a choice. It is. And the people who hired this DJ. You know, you're probably not hiring someone blindly. You know, the sort of person that they are, you know, the sort of sensibility that they bring to each space. So the person who hired him, whether it's the wedding planner, we're staying with the wedding context. So maybe it's the wedding planner, maybe it's the bride or the groom, whatever. They know that, okay, this is a person (laughs) who playing R. Kelly is within the spectrum of expected behavior for this person. And so that has to be taken into account too. It's like, okay, maybe you're in a space where they just expect this shit to be played and they don't give a fuck. But again, if you're in that space, if you're in a space like that, should you be the one who, like, you know what, and shame the fuck out of everybody else and just be like, you know what, this is wrong. I mean, hell
2: yeah, you should be, right? But, like, is that the reality? You know, and I think, too, what is the line of demarcation? Like, okay, obviously R. Kelly is, like, severe, right? But then you have, like, the Chris Browns or you even have the possible Michael Jackson's James Brown like you know if your name is Brown Bobby Brown and I love Bobby Brown by the way but I feel like you know what is the line where somebody says okay this person is just not savable and we shouldn't support their art anymore or we're human we make mistakes you know we all have checkered pasts and I think When people don't make a serious concerted effort to say, okay, like, hey, child abuse is like the line, like, that's it for me, you know, like, I just feel like even with the whole Doja Cat, you know, thing where she's just basically like giving her finger to her fans, and people are like, oh, you know, I'm blocking her, I'm never like, but she doesn't owe you that, and She may have consorted with some unsavory people, but in the grand scheme of things of people to cancel, I think she's a little lower on the list than some people that we always listen to.
0: Yeah, I think R. Kelly is someone who is so unique. Like, I feel like he's an easy choice. I think the other people, Michael Jackson, James Brown, Marvin Gaye, you know, when you think about the stuff that they were accused of, it shouldn't be a hard choice, but because... This stuff happened so long ago. I think that it kind of muddles it and makes it a bit messier and a bit more convoluted. Whereas with R. Kelly, I mean, a motherfucking documentary just aired like three years ago. Yeah. And he has never repented. He has never apologized. He's never asked for forgiveness. None of that. I think R. Kelly is so easy. It's so easy. And his crimes are so like severely abhorrent that it's an easy choice.
2: And I mean, specifically making music about it too.
0: I mean, how do you feel about Cosby? If you're at a game night, if you're at somebody's house, Cosby show's on, what do you do?
2: So like, I think when the most interesting thing about the Cosby show, obviously, you know, beyond the respectability politics was that he was a gynecologist who worked out of his basement. And I'm just like, nobody thought, hey, Maybe you should just at least have an office. Like that's not attached to his house. Yeah, I don't know. I think R. Kelly made music specifically with these like hints of his like crimes, right? And Bill Cosby essentially did the same thing. You know, and I, I think this like blatant, like fuck you to any rules or any regulations. And also, I think. Hear me out.
0: Okay. This is
2: going to be controversial. They're going to tweet you about this.
0: Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm ready.
2: I think, and they were suspected that he did violate young boys as well. But I think if his crime were against young boys instead of young girls, women or young women or teenage, whatever, I think... People would be way more likely to boycott his music.
0: I agree. I agree 100 percent that if it had been young black boys, young white boys, whatever, instead of young black girls that had been the victims of his crimes, then well, there would be people who were still on the train. You know what I mean? People who still were like, yeah, I know he did all that, but Fiesta's my jam.
2: Sure, sure.
0: And and I and I can't I can't sacrifice <laughs> these three minutes that this DJ is going to play this song. I can't cut that out of my life.
2: I've even had to cut out songs that he wrote that I like because I wasn't like a big fan of his music, but like you are not alone and let it flow. I'm like,
0: you know, I think getting back to the Cosby question too. It's like, I think that it's actually easier. Like, okay. So you have the dynamic of, okay, party, R. Kelly. Do you say something or do you just go sit down? Okay. But if you're at like someone's house, and are playing Cosby. I feel like there's more of an opportunity to be like, yo, are we still watching Bill Cosby? And, and like that's starting a conversation right there. It's Like, yo, like, what's up? Who turned this on?
2: I think music also has a greater grasp on nostalgia than any other art form, right? Because music decorates space and time. Art as a general statement obviously evokes something in us and makes us feel something. And and the Cosby show obviously lends itself to a lot of nostalgia for us, but it was very much a fixed 30 minutes nostalgia, like once a week, versus, you know, R. Kelly having made music for 20, 30 years over, you know, where we could just listen to it on the way to the beach or listen to it on the way to somebody else's house, you know, and have sex with them. Um, but I think music provides an interesting level of nostalgia that no other art form provides. And so I think that's why it's harder for people to let that go because it's like the soundtrack of our lives.
0: Yeah. You said sex and the evilest voice just now, like sex, and go have sex with them. Six. It's like, Oh shit. <laughs> it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I guess to answer the answer to person's question, like what do you do? What are you supposed to do? I think that, at the very least, sit down. This is your time to go to the bar. This is your time to, you know, check your phone, see who who responded to your tweet.
2: I'm definitely not dancing.
0: Yeah, you're not dancing. You don't move a muscle. I mean, I think someone, you know, someone should go to the DJ booth and be like, yo, what the fuck? And, okay, why not? Why shouldn't? Why couldn't? Why couldn't that someone be you? Kyla Janae Lacey, thank you. Coming through. Appreciate you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Where can people find you? Do you want to be found?
2: Sometimes, but you know the internet is an interesting place. But they can find me on social media at Kyla J Lacey and Instagram Kyla underscore Lacey on Twitter because Kyla J Lacey is not going to come back to us, okay? On Twitter, Uh, but also I will be having a show, my own podcast, come out on Sirius with karen hunter called life sentences so and i do some poetry on that and you know talk about life and stuff and my cats
0: i appreciate how you shifted to the spoken word voice
2: oh you know it's you know that's my original you know art form so all
0: right well thank you for coming through appreciate you and again look out for kyla and her poetry voice on her new podcast bye Again, I just wanted to thank Shamira Ibrahim, Khaled Janae Lacey for coming through. Great guest, great conversation, great topic. And thank you all again for coming to Stuck with Damon Young. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to be here. to listen to my podcast, all the podcasts out there. And you chose to listen to mine. So thank you. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Also, you can find Stuck with Damon Young wherever you can find podcasts. But if you happen to be on the Spotify app, there are interactive polls, questions, answers. You can have a lot of fun. So go knock yourself out on the Spotify app. Also, if you have any questions about anything whatsoever, hit me up at daredamoncrookedcom at alright you All right, y'all. See you next week. Stuck with Damon Young is hosted by me, Damon Young. From Crooked Media... Our executive producers are Kendra James and Madeline Herringer. Our producers are Ryan Wallerson and Morgan Moody. Mixing and Mastering by Sarah Gilwell-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. Theme music and score by Taka Yasuzawa. And special thanks to Charlotte Landis. And from Spotify, our executive producers are Lauren Silverman, Neil Drumming, and Matt Schultz. Special thanks to Leslie Guam and Crystal Hall-Stressler.